Good morning, Kavanaugh. You out there? Let's stand. <laughs> Let's worship the Lord together. It is all because of Jesus.
Amen, amen. Good morning, Kavanaugh. How's everybody? If you're, if you're good, give me one of these, two of these. How about a amen? amen. Hey, it's a great day to be in the Lord's house. I'm super excited for you to be here today. God is with us, and God is going to speak to us, and God is going to challenge your life to be the best you that you can be. For our guests, we welcome you. If this is your first time at Kavanaugh Church, would you please reach right in front of you to the back of that chair and pull out the connect card. Fill that thing out, and as soon as service is over with, go through these doors to our connect counter, and we'll let you exchange that card for a free gift certificate to Chick-fil-A and a coffee mug. What a deal, huh? What a great I may put on, I was going to say a mustache and glasses, but I don't think I could cover myself up. What a great day, and it's about to get even better. So stand with me. We're going to pray, give this hour to the Lord, and then welcome one another. Heavenly Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for all of your blessings. Dear Jesus, please be with us right now. Speak to hearts, challenge lives. I pray that as we sing praises to your name, that you would fill this room with your presence. And as I preach on the outside, please speak directly into our hearts. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn around and say hi to seven people. Okay, thank you. That's, that's friendly enough. Sit down. I said this is a great day, and this is one of the reasons it's a great day. I've got a family up here with me. Isn't this fantastic? Yeah. This, this day is all about little baby Jules right here in the middle. Isn't she beautiful? She, I can't get over how beautiful she is. Uh, her big sister, Ella Jane, and then Archie, her brother. Of course, we got uh, Whitney and Tyler, mom and dad. Tyler, it's good to have your parents here, and, and we're, using, uh, we're using grandkids' names. This is Chief and Lily, all right? <laughs> Welcome, Chief and Lily. There's, there's Nan and granddad, and of course, you got Lolo and Opo over here, all right? But today is all about baby Joe. Look, can I just stop right here and ask you a question? Isn't grandchildren, aren't grandchildren the very best there is? Would you agree with that? They are the best. Now, I love my kids, but let me tell you, grandkids are great. They are, aren't they? They, they are fantastic. And I've got three wonderful. Miss Ella Jane made a declaration the other day. She told us what she's going to be when she grows up. You want to tell them? You want to tell us what you're going to be when you grow up? You remember? She doesn't remember right now. But she... She does too. She wants to be a princess, and she's well on her way. 
And, and her mama asked her little brother, said, Archie, what are you going to be? And that day he said, I want to drive a fire truck. So I don't know what they'll end up being, but you know, whatever they are, it's going to be fantastic because they're wonderful kids. And baby Jules, we don't know what God has in store for you, but you are so awesome and beautiful. She might be the next Miss America. I don't know, but what, whatever God chooses is going to be good. Whitney and Tyler, let me tell you, y'all are blessed. Y'all are absolutely blessed beyond measure. Not only do you have a wonderful family, you have a triple blessing from God. And God has given you these three kids and entrusted them into your care. And it's your duty as mom and dad to teach them all about Jesus Christ. And you do that every day. Really two places that happens, church. They learn about Jesus right here at Kavanaugh Church. And that's why, Brother Johnny, it's important that all parents have their kids at church on Sunday and Wednesdays so they can learn about Jesus. And we're well equipped for that. We do our best to tell them about Jesus. But that's only a couple of times a week. So Whitney and Tyler, the biggest place they learn about Jesus is at home, watching YouTube. Now, Lolo and I have made a declaration that every time we're with them, we're going to tell them something about Jesus, because Jesus is the most important thing in their young lives. But Whitney and Tyler, I challenge you to teach them about the Lord. As Deuteronomy 6 says, when you get up in the morning, even if it is 5.15, Archie, Okay? When you eat breakfast, eat lunch, eat supper, when you walk in the way, walk down the street in Adelaide, you tell them about Jesus. You pour Jesus into their lives. Train them when they're young so when they're old they will not depart from the faith. Tell them about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus loves them. Jesus said, suffer the little children and allow them to come unto me for such is the kingdom of God. So Tyler and Whitney are presenting Julia Kate for dedication. You not only signify your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but your desire that she find Jesus as her Savior and follow the Lord's will for her life as well. In order to obtain this holy end, it's going to be your duty as parents and ours as a family to teach her the fear of the Lord early, to watch over her education that she should not be led astray, to direct her youthful mind to the Holy Scriptures and her little feet to the Lord's house, to restrain her from all harmful associates and habits, and as much as in you lies to bring her up in the admonition of the Lord. So Whitney and Tyler and family, would you endeavor to do so with the help of God? Fantastic. Church, let me challenge you. Will you come alongside Whitney and Tyler and help them? to allow little Jules to find, follow, and finish God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for her life. Will you help them do that? Fantastic. Tyler, I've got something for you. And Whitney, I've got a couple things for you. Tyler, here is a, a little pink New Testament with Julia Kate's name on it. I charge you as her daddy to teach her the words of life from that Bible. Whitney, there's a beautiful certificate. You can, you can do something amazing with that. I know you can. And Julia Kate, here is a little, are you awake? Are you going to sleep? She's doing a JoJo and going to sleep. Baby, this is a letter that Poe wrote to you to be open on your 18th birthday, okay? And I've signed it Poe. It reminds you of what we've done today, and if you haven't already, to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Tyler, let me hand those to you as well. And can I have my little baby girl? Come here, baby girl. Oh, my goodness. Isn't she precious? Oh, everybody do that together. Oh, look at the bottom of her little shoes. Isn't that cute? 
Johnny, come over here. We're going to dedicate Julia Cates to the Lord. It is with great honor and privilege yeah. that I get to dedicate my grandbaby <laughs> to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Amen. Julia, I pray that you would come to know Jesus as your Savior and follow the will of God for your life. Brother Johnny, would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this precious creation that only you could create. Thank you for this wonderful family, God, and we know that she'll be well taken care of and taught about you, God. We just lift her up to you and dedicate her to you, God, for all of her life, that she will follow you and be used by you all her days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you, girl, and we dedicate you to God. Give Julia Kate a big hand, would you? There you go, Mama. Thank you. Y'all did great. You can exit. Archie, you did good, buddy. We were a little worried about that one, so. Isn't God good? We thank Him for life. We thank Him for His love. Would you stand? And we're going to continue to praise His name through song. We're bringing back an old one that you all know and that you all love. Let's sing to the King.
2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Yes. And Ephesians 5.8 says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have a lot from the Lord. So live as people of the light. Do you know what that means? It means be bold and courageous. It means you have the power of Jesus. That should give you the confidence to say to the darkness, you do not own me anymore. I belong to God.
come to God, if you are a believer in this house today, Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's what this next song is about. It's entitled Always, and it's the idea that generations have passed down their faith. And we stand here, all of us stand here today in a long line of those who have gone on before us, those who have paid the price, and those who have been willing to share their faith and to pass that down. Um, I'm thankful just personally in my life that I had a mom and a dad who cared enough about me, brought me to church. They didn't just take me to church, but they shared their faith stories with me when I was growing up. So I wanted that same life. And their parents before them, and their parents before them. It's just a long history from generation to generation. It is so important that we take the time to share our faith and to pass down the story about how God saved us and how he changed our lives um, to our children, to our grandchildren. Um, I had the privilege of getting to dedicate Jules this morning and it's our job, it's our obligation to tell her about Christ and to share our faith with her so that someday she'll accept Jesus. That's our whole goal. Um, you may not have children or grandchildren, but you know what? God has placed you in a circle of influence, someone really specific that he wants you to share your story with. Um, people are dying and going to hell every day because we're not willing to open our mouths. So let's share this faith and just claim this morning that God is faithful always.
for your faithfulness. Lord, we know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. All those faith stories that happened so long ago, Father, it was by your power. Lord, we claim those same powers today in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be bold to share generation to generation to pass down and to be bold and confident in our witness that we do not belong to the darkness anymore. We belong to God and help us to share our faith with others. God, we just praise you this morning that you are faithful always. We give you praise in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That was awesome. Give the praise team another big hand. They really worked hard and do a fantastic job. We're so, so thankful for them. It's good to see you today. I've, I've started a, a new little series that I'm going to run through part of the summer. It's entitled Questions People Ask Ministers the most. It's based on a survey by Reader's Digest years ago. Uh, The article was about the top eight questions that Americans would ask their pastor. And today we're going to talk about this question. What can I do? What can I do when I am so discouraged I feel like giving up? Have you ever been there before? Let, Let me start by raising my hand because I think we all know discouragement, do we not? Maybe we don't live in discouragement, but we've all been discouraged. And I'm sure everyone in this room has been to that point when you you think, what can I do? I mean, I I am so discouraged. I, I just feel like giving up. The dictionary defines discouragement as being deprived of courage or confidence, being disheartened. It comes when we're clobbered by the circumstances of life. When, when the circumstances of life hit us like a Mack truck or a quarterback that sacked deep in his own territory, I, I, think of, I think of it like this, little song I learned when I was a kid. Gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, agony on me. You, you know, most of us, if we're emotionally healthy, can recover from discouragement. But if we're battered again and again, broadsided every time that we get up, we lose our confidence and our stamina, and eventually we become so discouraged that we want to throw in the white towel. Sometimes we're rejected by the people that we love. Sometimes we're laid off from work. Sometimes we receive a call from the doctor that says, The report on that test was not good. Sometimes our children rebel. Other times the bills pile up. 
And often several of these troubles press against us at once, causing us to become bitterly discouraged. In 2 Corinthians, more than in any other book, Paul the Apostle wrote openly about the unrelenting adversities that he faced in his life. And if there was ever a man who lived who could complain about discouragement, it was the Apostle Paul. I want you to listen to a few of these passages. In fact, I'm going to read four of them. Is that okay? I mean, it's Sunday, and we're in church, so let's just read the Bible a little bit. Is that okay? Here's the first one, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, words out of the Apostle Paul's mouth, verses 8 and 9. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our troubles which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. I mean, that's pretty low right there if you're despairing even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death on ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. We were really discouraged, but instead of living there, we trusted in God. Got to love that. Or what about this, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul says, out of much affliction and, get this, anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. I mean, his heart was burdened. Not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. Even in grief, when we turn to Jesus, things get better. And then what about 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Wow. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. The pressures of life, they just crash down on us. They squeeze us. We are tempted to discouragement, but what do we do? We trust in Jesus. And then I want to read one final passage to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I, man, I, Jason, I think about this and I think, my goodness gracious, I don't know. I don't know how he did it. Really, I don't know how Paul did it. He's talking here kind of in foolishness at the beginning, but he says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. That's about the only thing I can kind of relate to. My, my mom used a belt, but I mean, it was pretty close to the same thing. <laughs> Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. Not only that, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, not only that, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and in toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes on me on a daily basis, my deep concern for all the churches. Wow. We complain when the air conditioner goes off. 
The apostle Paul endured mental and physical abuse, yet he seemed to be immune to abiding, defeating discouragement. He encountered adversity and megadoses, yet he just kept bouncing back. He was beaten, rejected, criticized, impoverished, and beaten again. Yet to the very end of his life, he radiated this positive strength that bolstered all around him. What was his secret? How did he do it? What did he do when he felt so discouraged that he wanted to give up and quit? Well, we don't have to look far because it's right there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We find his secret. And guys, if, if you've kind of dozed off on me, I want, you need to wake up right now because what I'm about to share with you is some of the best news you've ever heard in your life. If you are here today and you're the least bit discouraged or you know something about discouragement, you don't have to live there any longer. The Apostle Paul gives us the secret to overcoming discouragement, the secret to living a life of victory. And you may think I'm one of these positivity preachers. No, I'm not a snake oil salesman this morning, nor do I sell used cars, but I got something pretty good to give you, something that this morning, if you will take it and speak it, will transform your life and bring you out of that discouragement and help you to walk in victory. Paul, what in the world did you do when you felt so discouraged you wanted to quit? Well, here's what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, here's what we don't do. We don't lose heart. I could just stop right there and it'd be good enough, but he goes on to explain it. But that's what you need to hear. You don't lose heart. One translation says, we don't give up. We don't lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at those things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are but temporary, and the things which are not seen are eternal. Say amen. This is good news. Paul, what do you do? Well, here's one thing I don't do. I don't lose heart. Despite all the setbacks and hardships, Paul wasn't going to lose heart. Philip's translation says, this is the reason we never collapse. The Living Bible translates it, that is why we never give up. And Beck in his translation says, that is why we are not discouraged. This is a powerful phrase. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Say it with me. Therefore, we do not lose heart. One more time. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Do you feel the power of that statement? Paul may lose sleep, but he's not going to lose heart. He may lose friends, but he's not going to lose heart. He may lose earthly fame, prestige, worldly wealth, and comfort. He may even lose the skin off of his back and years off of his life, but he is determined not to lose heart. As long as he has the promises of God in the Bible and the indwelling Spirit of God in his heart, 
He is not about to lose heart. The Greek word that Paul used means to lose motivation, to become weary and to become discouraged and to give up. But Paul is saying, no matter how hard things may be, I am not going to lose my motivation, fall into discouragement, lose heart, and give up. Church, listen to me. This is nothing but pure, dogged determination. What a great coach's speech right before the state game. I love it, man. I love it. I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to give up. Paul felt it was his, get this, wrap your mind around this. Paul felt that it was his responsibility as a Christian to act this way. Because look at me. This is the way Christians act. We don't give in. We don't give up. We don't lose heart. Have you ever looked at that word responsibility? It's made up of of two words, the word response and the word ability. In other words, we have the ability to choose our response to the adversities that we face in life. We don't do that. Most of us just react. We don't respond, we react. We say, I can't believe this is happening to me. I just can't deal with this. Or we say, I can't take it anymore. But you know what? We shouldn't just react to adversities in life. We need to respond to them biblically. Viktor Frankl learned this in the Nazi death camps. His parents, brother, and his wife had been sent to the gas chambers. He had suffered torture and indignity. One day, naked and all alone in his small cell, he became aware that there was one thing that his captors could never take away from him. And that was his ability to decide for himself how all of this was going to affect him. He had the ability to respond and not just react to the adversities in life. That's good. It reminds me of what Fred Akers said. I can't always choose what happens to me, but I can choose how I'm going to respond to it. And Paul chose to respond to the waves of adversity that crashed against him by focusing on three things. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart and we get over discouragement by focusing on three things. So children, write them down. They will change your life. Number one, this is what I focus on. The inward, not the outward. I focus on what God is doing in my heart, not what is happening on the outside of my body. Look at verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. What Paul is saying is this, our physical bodies are wasting away. The moment you were born, you started to die. And every day, you're withering away. 
Now, you came here to be encouraged, and I'm not doing that right now. But I, I know, I know this. I know this. I feel this. I feel like the saying that goes, if I woke up in the morning and nothing hurt, I would think that I have died and gone to heaven. <laughs> or I remember the good old days when snap, crackle, pop were the sounds that came from my cereal, not from my body. Some of you are not there yet. You soon <laughs> will be. What Paul is doing in verse 16 is affirming that outwardly we are wasting away. We're corroding. We're falling apart. Now he goes on to talk about the resurrection. In chapters 3 through 5, they are full of information about the day when our bodies will be raised incorruptible. But he tells us plainly our greatest concern in this life is not these physical bodies. They're just the tent that we're living in. Now, we need to take care of our bodies, don't get me wrong. They are the temple of God. And yes, Miss Joy, we need to exercise daily, don't we? We need to eat correctly, don't we? We need plenty of rest, don't we? And there's nothing wrong with nice clothes. I mean, I got some pretty cool shoes on this morning. Nothing wrong with nice clothes. Nothing wrong with a, a little bit of makeup, if you're a girl. <laughs> but still, no matter how expensive our makeup or how frequent our face lifts or how hip our clothes, outwardly, we're wasting away. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Now, I try to take really good care of myself, but I'm, let me tell you, I'm just getting old. I came home from a big cowboy shoot in Kansas yesterday. I was, I was real tired when I got in. My wife met me at the door. She gave me a kiss, and she said, you need to check the dryer. <laughs> we, we, just, we just bought a brand new washer and dryer, and they, they are smart, smart little pieces of equipment. They, they talk to Miss Angie via her telephone, send her messages. They have a digital display. And I don't know what the, what was the code on the dryer? 80, code 80. What? You know it too. D80, code D80. Whitney's got the, Whitney's got the same. Did, has yours done the same thing? It's bogus. It's a bogus code. I, I, what it means, Angie looked it up, what it means is there's some kind of obstruction in the vent system. And so it says, check your little lint thing. You know, and she checked that, and it was, it was fine, nothing wrong. So it says that it's going to be in the hose or maybe outside. That thing is blocked outside. I think, babe, I just got home. I'm tired, but okay, because I knew it was important. And so I went outside, checked that, no problem. Pulled the dryer. It's, we got a little utility room. Pulled the dryer out. And so you got the washer here, wall here, cabinet here, and the dryer here. And I... <laughs> I had to get in there, you know, had just this little tiny space. And so I, I unscrewed the, the vent hose there and, and there was no obstruction there. And I unscrewed it at the dryer. There's no obstruction there. We're good to go. That's a bogus code. Nothing to it. We're, we're clear. Now I have to put it back together. 
And so I bent over, and just tiny little space. I mean, I'm hitting the washer when I'm bending over here, and I'm, I'm trying to get this thing back on there, this hose back on there. Brand new hose, but it's faulty. It's not going back on. And Ron, I'm telling you, I'm hurting. My back is hurting. I've been shooting guns all day. My back's hurting. My hamstrings are starting to cry out to me, and, and, and I can't get the cotton-picking thing back on. And I look at her, who's standing there, my beautiful little baby, and I said, I, I didn't need this today. <laughs> guys, I'm just talking to you guys. She gave me one of those looks, which meant I need to zip it and get back to work. <laughs> Russell, I knew the only way I was going to get that thing on is to get down on the ground. Not on my knees. I had to get down on the ground. I only got this little space. And so I don't, Jason, I don't know how I contorted myself, but I got down there. I finally got it on, twisted around, got the other thing on. And then I, I went like this. I went, oh. To which she said, what now? <laughs> to which I said, I've got to get up. which was a real problem. Now, I can, I can squat my body weight 10 times. That's no problem. But getting up from the ground with nothing to hang on to, that's a problem. That is a problem. 30 years ago, it wouldn't have been a problem. At 62, it's a problem. I was cowboy shooting with some guys in Kansas yesterday, and one of them said, you know what? I am so hot and so tired, I could fall over, but I dare not fall over because I couldn't get back up if I did. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Outwardly, we are wasting away. But inwardly, the reverse is happening. We are being renewed daily. We can have a fresh, hopeful attitude every morning if we cultivate our soul and spend time with the Lord. Yes, the outward man loses strength, but the inward man can gain strength. So the reverse is happening. As I'm getting older, the outward will is perishing, but the inward will, that spiritual man connected with Jesus is getting stronger and beefier and bulked up more every day. And do you know what? Adversities, things that cause discouragement in my life really promote growth in my soul. It is like weightlifting. You, you lift weights and there's that resistance. It, it breaks down the muscle so that it can grow in size. Same thing happens to us spiritually. Problems and difficulties and adversities make us stronger in the Lord. James said it well when he said, Count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials, because the testing of your faith will work inside of you spiritual growth. Let me put it like this. When your life is built on the rock, you can take the pounding of waves. So Paul, how'd you do it? How did you overcome discouragement? Well, I didn't give up, and I focused on what God was doing in my heart, not what was happening in my body. Number two, I did it by focusing on the eternal, not the momentary. Look at verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Here's what Paul is saying. Listen to me. 
He's saying problems in life are temporary. So I don't care how big that problem seems to you right now that you're facing, it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. It's going to go away. You're going to solve the problem. The discouragement can leave. You're not bound by that problem or adversity for the rest of you. It's temporary. Even if you deal with it until the day you die, it's still temporary. The problems of life are temporary, but the promises of God are permanent. Paul was saying, I don't mind enduring a little adversity right now because I'm going to live gloriously forever in eternity. And friends, forever is a long, long time. Romans chapter 8 tells us the sufferings of this present life are not worth even comparing to the glory that shall be revealed. Hmm. So you know what? Let's pray about your problem, but you don't need to just live in your problem. It's temporary. This pain is temporary. Heaven is eternal. So let's take our eyes off of the problem and put our eyes on the promise, which is Jesus. That brings us to the third thing Paul focused on, the unseen, not the seen. Verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are, there's that word again, temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I can see my problems, but again, they're temporary problems. I can't see heaven, but I believe in heaven, and that is eternal. There's this remarkable verse in the book of Hebrews about how Moses dealt with the incredible discouragements that fell upon him day after day. And here's what it says, Hebrews eleven twenty seven. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He persevered, why? Because he didn't have his eyes on the problem, he had his eyes on the Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, folks, you need to understand that the attention of this world is focused on the outward, the temporary, and the seen. That's what the world is concerned about. The world is concerned about the external of our bodies. The world is concerned about what is temporary, what is seen. The Bible calls these three things the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And they will lead to destruction. No wonder the whole world is battling discouragement and despair. Why? They're focused on the wrong thing. We're looking at the wrong thing. We who are believers in Jesus Christ should be focused on the inward, the eternal, and the unseen. We live by faith. Amen? Well, you know what? We need to walk by faith. So what do you do when you're so discouraged you could give up? You don't lose heart. You watch what God is doing in your life and you rejoice that he's strengthening you. You focus on those things that are eternal, things that you can't see. You don't lose heart.
Hmm? Oh, but Brother Will, you, you don't know my adversity. You know what we need to do? We need to pray through that adversity. Because that discouragement, it doesn't come from God. It's straight from the devil. How do I know that? Well, let me just tell you a story that I read this past week. The reason I read this story is because it was, it was entitled, The Devil Had a Garage Sale. And we were having a big yard sale up here at the church. So I thought, yeah. So the devil was having this garage sale, and he had all his tools on display. They were all polished up, looking good. There was a big price tag on every one of them. He had them all there, envy, jealous, hatred, malice, deceit, sensuality, pride, idolatry. All the implements of evil on display, and each of those tools were marked with a price tag. But over in the corner was this harmless-looking wedge-shaped tool, very much worn down, but it bore a higher price tag than all the others. In fact, it was five times more expensive. And somebody asked the devil, what, what is that tool over in the corner? And he kind of snickered and said, oh, that's my tool of discouragement. Well, the next question came quickly. And why is it priced so much higher? I mean, it's, it's, it's all worn out and well used. Why is it five times higher than all these other tools? Because, the devil replied, it is more useful to me than all of these others put together. With this tool, I can pry open and get into a man's heart that I can't get to with any other of my tools. And once I get inside, I can use him in whatever way suits me best. It's well worn because I use it on everybody I can, and few people even know it's my tool. Well, the price tag on that tool was so high that day that nobody could buy it. And to this day, it's never been sold. It still belongs to the devil. <laughs> Guess what? He's still using it. Perhaps you're discouraged right now. To the point you feel like giving up. But one of the greatest secrets to the prevailing life is the refusal to give up and to give in. Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, the famous American war hero, once explained his victories and success by saying, my mother, a very poor woman in Columbus, Ohio, taught her kids to pray, to read the Bible, to follow Jesus, and to never give up. How many of y'all remember Alabama coach Bear Bryant? He said, don't give up at halftime. Let's go out there and concentrate on winning the second half. Michael Jordan said, if you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it, go through it, or work around it. Golfer Tony Lima said, if I had to cram all of my terminant experience into one sentence, I would say, don't give up and don't let up. That may be sports talk, but let me tell you what else it is. It's Pauline theology. That is the Word of God. The Apostle Paul says to you today, therefore, don't lose heart. 
Don't give up. Don't let up. Don't allow adversity to neutralize your calling. You keep going. You press on. You pray yourself into victory. And you know what? You can do that. You don't have to live in discouragement when you can have victory in Jesus. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. Praise teams are going to come up and, and just sing a song of invitation. But I'm going to ask that you come to the altar and pray with me this morning for victory over whatever adversity you're facing in life. Jesus wants to give you victory today. Whatever you do, don't lose heart this morning. Don't give up and don't give in. Don't let up. Come and lay it on the altar. Give it to Jesus. Pray for victory so that you can leave your discouragement in this room and walk out these doors in victory today. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I invite you to come today and be saved. God can transform your life. If you're away from the Lord, come home today. For all of you who are facing discouragement, let's pray through for victory today, would you? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us find victory in the blood of Jesus, and I pray that we would find that victory right now at the altar. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with heads bowed, eyes closed, praise team's going to sing. I invite you to come and join me as we lay our discouragement on the altar.
Lord, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being our Savior and our Lord. And dear Lord, I pray that we would leave all our adversities and discouragement at the altar today and walk out of here in victory in the name of Jesus. Thank you for these incredible words from the Apostle Paul. And I pray more than anything that we would leave this place with a determination that we're not going to lose heart. We're not going to give in and we're not going to give up. Give us victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Amen. 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 Thanks for being here today. If you're a Kavanaugh Church member, when you walk out, please drop your offering in one of those black boxes. If you're a guest and haven't already filled out one of those Connect cards, please do that. Stop by our Connect counter. We have a gift for you. Uh, Good news, Vacation Bible School is next week. I'm excited. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, VBS. Have your kids, grandkids up here at 6.30. If you want to volunteer your time, see Brother Johnny. He'll put you to work. It's going to be a a great time for our kiddos, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. For you adults, come back on Wednesday night. Uh, It's 7 o'clock. We get to come in here and participate in VBS worship, and it's going to be a great service. And then word is Brother Johnny is going to feed you carnival food. I mean, you can't beat carnival food, right? And, and then right at the end, when you go out, we're selling Tums, all right? So it's going to be just going to be a great night. But pray for VBS. Next Sunday, June the 11th, is our last photo day. So if you've not already had your, your picture taken a few weeks ago when we did this, we're going to give you one last chance to have your photo made for our new directory. And I want your photo in our directory so I can go around and show you off to people and say, these, these beautiful people go to Kavanaugh Church, all right? So please, next Sunday, before or after service, if you haven't already had your photo made, it's going to be right outside these doors. We'd love for you to do that. Then on June the 18th, a couple of weeks, guess what it is? It's Father's Day. Oh, man, I can't wait. How about you? And we always give great gifts. I had a preacher friend call me this morning and said, hey, Will, what are y'all giving on Father's Day? Because here, here, word on the street is Kavanaugh gives the best gifts on Mother's Day and Father's Day, and all the other churches want to copy us. I mean, it's, it, it's for real. And so I, I told him, he says, oh, man, you're kidding me. Awesome. So I can't tell you what it is, but guys, let me tell you. It may be, it may be the best gift we've ever given. Maybe. Show up and see. Hope you have a great day. Stay out of trouble. Get out of here.